This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Baseball playoffs tonight. Top of the third. Cardinals lead San Diego 4 0. The Cards up 1 0 in that best of three. The Braves shut out the Reds 5 0 to sweep that best of three. Oakland winning at home 6 4 over the Chicago White Sox. So they take that series two games to one. Still coming up tonight, the Brewers and the Dodgers, the Marlins and the Cubs postponed. Miami with a one nothing lead in that best of three. The Blue Jays were eliminated yesterday. We will catch up with Buck Martinez, broadcaster for the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, former manager and catcher with the team. Always fun to talk to him. Been a few years since we've been able to connect with Buck for the show. He is coming up later this hour to break down uh, what overall was a pretty decent year for the Blue Jays. Got into the playoffs and ran into an excellent Tampa Bay team in this wild card round. Thursday night football kicks off in about 20 minutes. A titanic struggle with the 0-3 Denver Broncos going up the going up against the 0 and 3 New York Jets. Are the Jets the worst team in football? Well, we'll have more information on that in about three and a half hours. They might be. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630 Ched. We do not have a CFL season this year, but we are going to have an EE coaches show. It'll start Monday at 7:30. Scott Milanovic with Morley Scott. So that'll be cool. Uh, you know, Scott Milanovic, when I interviewed him uh, the day the, the CFL season was uh, was canceled, he said that the team cannot go away. We have to stay involved. We have to stay involved in the community. And he said whether that's running camps, doing school visits, of course, when it's safe, uh, all those types of things. So Milanovic uh, wants to be involved and wanted to have the coaches show. So uh, they will discuss uh, – I'm sure some NFL, some CFL memories uh, and, and some coaching strategies and tips and all that kind of stuff every Monday at 7.30. That'll be pretty cool. You are welcome to reach out, and, and there may be a topic we're going to get to here in a couple of minutes that you might want to chime in, uh, chime in on by calling or texting. It is the same number, 780-496-0063. If you have a rotary phone, and, and if you live out near Evansburg, uh, north of Evansburg, where I grew up, you might you might have a rotary phone. Heck, you might even be on a party line. Remember, don't try to text on that rotary phone. Calls only. There you go. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, let's get to some Oilers notes today, and uh, we're closing in on the draft. Round one of the draft will be on Tuesday. We will have coverage of the first round starting at 4 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Bit of a pre-draft show. The picks will start between 5 and 5.30. And uh, Stoffer and I and some special guests will take you through all the picks until uh, until they're done, which will probably be between 8 and 9. So keep that in mind. Maybe some, uh, usually there are a lot of trades at the draft. Wouldn't surprise me if that happens again this year. Oliver ekman Larson, a player we've been discussing on this show. Well, it looks like forget about it. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson, as reported by Darren Dreger at TSN, saying this, the Oilers have been told 
they're not on the short list of teams OEL will waive his trade protection to go to. So Oliver ekman Larsman with uh, some control over who he might or might not be traded to. And uh, he has said uh, no thanks to, to coming to Edmonton. All right. So now look, things can change, but usually when you get something that definite, uh, that's usually it. So we can put the Oliver ekman Larson. Well, I was going to say on the, on the back burner, but he, what's even further back than the back burner. We can, we can put this pot back in the cupboard. We're not even going to try to make any OEL sauce in it. All right. So that pot's back in the cupboard. Also, Frank Saravelli reporting today, also on Twitter. How did we report anything before Twitter? It's quite amazing. Talks continue to progress between the Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins on a long-term extension, not done and not close, but positive developments in the last 24 hours. So they have probably started talking in some very general terms. Uh, we're, we'll talk about this a little bit more with Bob Stoffer coming up between uh, between 7 and 7.30. I... I would not, and look, I, I know sometimes when when a radio host speaks in generalities and he says something you don't believe in, um, you know, then then you're like, well, wait a minute, I don't believe that. So if you're in the minority of what I'm about to say, I, I recognize your opinion. But I, I would say most Oilers fans uh, have at least some form of affection for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Probably some of you have strong affection for Ryan Nugent Hopkins and want him to be back and want him to succeed. And, and we're happy with what he did in the second half of the season on that line with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. He has made $6 million a year. He is still uh, going to make $6 million a year coming into this, his final year of his contract, whenever the season begins. Might be obviously prorated, but that's how it'll be figured out for cap purposes. Um I would think he would want to raise. Uh, I, I would think Ryan Eugene Hopkins probably knows he's not going to be higher paid than Leon Dreisaitl. Um, but, you know, can he try to get six and a half or seven a little bit more? Now, an interesting thing, and, and Bob and I will discuss this too, that Brian Lawton said on Stoffer's show uh, yesterday, is that you can look at the annual average value of a contract, but some players might look at their total earnings in their career. And that if Ryan Eugene Hopkins wants to get up around whatever amount you want to pick 80 90 100 million for a career and if he signs a long-term deal with the oils oilers would would he take a little less money um to to reach that because he's more concerned about that overall total than what he necessarily makes per season so anyway there you go uh 7804960063 ryan not in the dozer. I don't even know what that means. He's not a he's not a dozer from Fraggle Rock. Ryan coming in hot tonight on October 1st. He says this franchise is an embarrassment. A team with the reigning MVP and the best player in the world and players still don't want to come here. That's how poorly run this franchise has been for years. Well, Ryan, I did notice they missed the playoffs for a decade. So thanks for reminding me. Uh, this texture says, I would rather get a deal with Barry and Vatten than Oliver ekman Larson. That is Brandon, who is listening from Windsor, Ontario. How are, have you visited the Windsor Casino lately, uh, Brandon? Maybe it was shut down for a while because of COVID. I don't know. And you can just you can just head across the river and head into the beautiful downtown Detroit, which is pretty cool. So uh, that's the latest with Nuge. Um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see where that goes. I, I would think he wants to stay in Edmonton. He, he is a BC kid. 
um, but played his uh, junior hockey in Red Deer, as you all know. Uh, his his wife is from Alberta, so he does have ties here, and and I do think he has uh, is proud to be an Edmonton Oiler, despite as uh, the one texter pointed out the struggles of the franchise. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Brian has uh, broken out the rotary phone and dialed in tonight. Brian, go ahead. Hey, Reed, how's it going tonight? Doing well. Good, uh, good to hear that the Oilers are uh, are having positive talks with R and H. You know, I, I think he has been personally. I I think he's a very underrated player in the league. Uh, you know, I I think once the Oilers, uh, you know, get their bearings going, and and I'm I'm I've got positive thoughts for next season. Um, you know, I, I could even see him being uh, being nominated. I, I think it's the Frank Selke for best uh, defensive forward. It is the Selke Trophy, yep. And because I, I think you know the night the great thing about RNH is is he came on you know as a rookie you know he was a uh, scorer and everything and he really reinvented himself in being becoming a, a, a great and I, I do stress I feel he's a great two way player uh, you know he's got the hands to put the puck in the net but uh, but he also uh, is excellent on defense. You, you know, I I, 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 I I almost hesitate to do this because we give each other a hard time all the time, but I, I got to give Stoffer credit because he said as the Oilers were going into the playoffs, and we know it turned out to be disappointing, but even though Dreisaitl and McDavid are the guys who have won the Hart trophies and the guys who lead the team in scoring, Bob said whichever line Nugent Hopkins goes on becomes the first line because he, he also can produce points and because he handles some of the checking load and makes it a little easier for McDavid and Dreisaitl. I thought that was an interesting point. And, and I, I'd have to agree 100%. I mean, to me, uh, R&H is your prototypical. He, he should be the poster child for the ultimate team player. I mean, he's been through, you know, all the bad, you know, some of the good. And, uh, you know, it, it hasn't mattered what line he's been on. He's, you, you've never, I've, at least I've never heard him, you know, complaining in the media or anything like that. And, uh, you know, he's just, he's a great leader. And I, I'd like to see him as an oiler basically for all his career. And, and I could actually see it happening. Well, I got to tell you, he had some pretty, um, he had some, I'm going to try to be polite here. The, the end, the last two or three months of the season with Hitch as the coach, and Drysaddle and McDavid were usually playing together. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins had some line mates that were not second-line NHL players. Nowhere near it. And no, nobody in hockey can do it by themselves. Sometimes McDavid does it, but you need at least one other good guy in your line. And, th- and that's what, you know, to hammer on this point again, that's that was so great about seeing he and Drysaddle and Yamamoto excel. And that would be my biggest criticism of Hitch from this, or not Hitch, of Tip from this past season. And Tip had a good year, is that he didn't lean on that line in the postseason when they really needed to win a game. Oh, I, I would agree with you 100. percent as, as far as as far as as far as that goes, I mean, Iron Hitch, uh, he has played a few times more than more than a handful of times with some questionable questionable players um but you know he he just as i said i mean i feel he's a great a great uh, leader of the team he's a great uh, example of, of team you know being a team man and uh, you know i i just i can't say enough as as far as uh, oliver ekman larsman i'm glad that he's 
said no to Edmonton personally. I, I didn't want to see him in an Oiler uniform. How come? Contract or you think he's dropping off? I, contract uh, is, is the, was the big one uh, because I just I, I couldn't see the Oilers making it work in, you know, without potentially hurting um, you know, some of the depth that they already do have on the defensive end. Uh, you know, I think I'd rather see someone like maybe a, a Shattenkirk, uh, you know, you know, just for one name as an example, right? And you know, who, who still has a few years. I think you want to try and find a defenseman, uh, you know, who definitely has you know veteran, uh, you know, veteran years on him, but still has maybe a good four or five years left, so he can help teach and and uh, groom these young defensemen because from what i see i we've got a really good um up and coming defensive core but we don't have a lot of experience on defense Uh, i don't know if that makes sense yeah appreciate it brian thanks for tuning in man have a great night have a good one that's brian 780-496-0063 jay bueller texting in he says OEL maybe wants to be closer to the new $5 million home he bought in Arizona. Then Jay goes on to write hashtag keep Nuge forever. I think he would sign for five to five and a half just to stay on the team long term. He doesn't want to uproot his life any more than we want him to leave. That is from Jay Bueller. It is 20 after six. It's- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline inside sports on chat Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 623. Buck Martinez in about half an hour. He's always fun to have on the show, breaking down the Blue Jays season, which uh, I, I would still call successful, even though they were eliminated two games to nothing by a, a very good Tampa Bay team. It was cool to see the Blue Jays uh, hang in there a lot of games, have some exciting victories, and get a little bit of postseason experience. 780 496 0063. Uh, Ron, uh, you can text photos here. 89th Street and Roland Road. It looks like, I don't know, Ron, is this a, is this a possible fire you've sent me? Or if, or is this, uh, or you think it might be the fire department just practicing something? The photo came in pretty small. Uh, 89th Street, Roland Road. If there is something going on in that area, you can let me know. Maybe it's something that needs to be avoided. Maybe it is nothing, but I just thought, uh, I would mention that. Uh, this texture says, curious, it seemed Arizona and Edmonton were negotiating a deal to the point where there was a deal in place. Why do this and then ask OEL to waive? Why not ask first? Seems odd. Okay, uh, that's a good, that's an interesting text to get. 
And I appreciate those remarks for sure, because I think you brought up some good points. I, I never got the impression that there was actually a deal in place uh, for OEL. Uh, I, I, sh- I should clarify that. I, I, I Hopefully I didn't communicate that to that extent. I mean, I certainly think we were talking about a rumor. Uh, and then the question, why do this and then ask OEL to waive? Well, I think GMs are always going to inquire. And maybe if you're the general manager of Arizona or of an NHL team, uh, 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 I mean, I guess, I guess picture, you know, maybe you have an employee in your office and, and you know, okay, I'm going to get look for this guy to get an opportunity somewhere else. Um, but that guy has his own life and he's out doing stuff for maybe it's his time off. Like it is now for OEL. Do you, do you run to him every time there's an inquiry or do you compile a bunch of stuff and then go to him? You know, do you meet with him on zoom on phone or whatever and say, okay, here, here's what I'm getting. What do you want me to pursue? Maybe that might happen in this situation as opposed to uh, Arizona going to OEL every time there's one team that expresses any sort of interest. That that would be my uh, read on it. And it could factor in too, Arizona might say, look, this team has made this offer for you and, and we really want to do this. And we've loved having you as a coyote, but we think this is good for you and it's good for us. Might you consider it? You know, I, I think those might factor into the discussions as well. Anyway, uh, good questions. I mean, I'm kind of speculating a little bit there, but I, I think I'm uh, barking up. I'm barking up a tree in the right forest. Maybe it's not the right tree, but I'm barking up a tree in the right forest. <laughs> All right. 780-496-0063. We'll keep you updated on the baseball playoffs. The gargantuan matchup. In the Thursday nighter is underway. It is scoreless early between the winless Broncos and the winless Jets. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, NHL draft as we move along. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The New York Jets have the lead on the Broncos three and a half minutes into the first quarter. It is seven, nothing for the Jets baseball playoffs, bottom of the fourth St. Louis with a four, nothing lead in San Diego. And the Cardinals are trying to sweep that best of three. The Braves did that to the Reds with a five, nothing victory. The athletics get a game three win over the white Sox six, four. So they advance brewers and Dodgers, Coming up in about 90 minutes, the Marlins and the Cubs postponed. The Dodgers lead. The other series won nothing. Miami is up one game. Zip on uh, the Cubs. So there you go. There's what's going on in sports. NBA Finals will resume tomorrow. It was a blowout last night. The LA Lakers absolutely dominating the Miami Heat. You can reach out, 780-496-0063. Appreciate uh, the calls. Uh, we got one call. Got several texts in the first half hour of the show. I, I, I'll have to save it for a little bit later, or maybe even we'll dive into it deeper tomorrow. Um, the, the fighting with the QMJHL, it's going to be a 15-minute penalty. You get five for fighting and a 10-minute misconduct. 
as we've seen uh, fewer and fewer fights in the NHL year after year. And in, in junior hockey, they're, they're trying to, I think, weed it out entirely. Eventually, it might take a while, but we're probably headed that way. But we might dive deeper into that a little bit later on. Bob Stoffer's coming up between 7 and 7.30, so we'll talk about some other stuff. I did prepare a quiz for Stoffer. And uh, I, I did it in the last two minutes while the news was on. That's uh, that's how far advanced I got that done. <laughs> and, oh, and Gord Bamford's on the show tonight. Uh, country music star who's going to be helping out the, uh, the Spruce Grove Saints with a special promotion. And I believe Gord has, uh, has a kid or two playing hockey as well. So we'll, we'll touch on some hockey topics with uh, Gord. We've had him on the show before. Good guy. Always fun to chat with him. And Buck Martinez for a Blue Jays wrap-up in about 15 minutes from now. The NHL draft round one on Tuesday. Rounds two through seven on Wednesday. Our coverage of round one will start at four o'clock on Tuesday. And to, to get the ball rolling on the draft chat tonight from Sportsnet, he covers the Canadian Hockey League. It is Sam Cosentino. Sam, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. This is the fun time of year for me. The National Hockey League draft in October. Yeah. <laughs> usually uh, it's late June we're doing this, and we usually run into each other in whatever city the draft is in, which is fun to catch up, but but not this year. Do you think, like, do you think teams are sitting there um, changing their draft rankings or their approach to the draft, uh, or, or do you think they're going with the plan they had in June? It's crazy because a lot of personnel has already changed. So, you know, maybe not necessarily uh, organizations changing approaches, but definitely the conversation has changed for some of them who've either acquired new people. Um, there's new head scouting uh, directors in a bunch of different places. So, you know, the conversation may have changed a little bit. I don't think there's been time to change the approach with no, no hockey having been played for such a long time. But I also do think that things might have might have changed in terms of the, the players that are playing right now, the Holtz, the Raymonds, the Lindells um, in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Hendricks, LaPierres of the world, who have that great opportunity to, to be on the ice and to play uh, competitively in games uh, like many others do not have that opportunity. All right. Well, I want to ask you about a couple of guys. I mean, you and I talked about Lafreniere uh, for the draft lottery. I, I think we know where he's going. Quinton Byfield is is one of those players, a huge guy. You know, six foot four, two fifteen, pretty awesome point total, almost two points a game in uh, in Sudbury. But you know, I read some stuff it's like, well, will he realize his his potential? Like, isn't he kind of already doing it? Or <laughs> what do you think oh, of Byfield? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not worried about this guy. I am not worried about this guy. The coolest part for me about Byfield is that I, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Like, when you look at him, he is a man mountain. But you realize, too, that he's kind of baby-faced, and you're saying, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to play in the National Hockey League at probably 230 or 235. And I don't even know if he's done at 6'4". So now you're talking about a guy who has that size, who has unbelievable skating ability. His hands are magic. And for a big guy, that that combination is really, really rare. Not to mention he's a really good kid, a guy I have a lot of time for, a lot of respect for. Please do not look at the World Juniors as an indication of what this player will be like. He was way younger than everybody else. He is going to be a stud. We've seen the impact of young defensemen in the NHL over the last couple of years. Haskinen. Uh, McCarr, Hughes leading the way. I could list off other guys. So let, let's start by touching on Jamie Drysdale, vision, puck movement. Is that where it starts for a defenseman now as opposed to physicality and stopping the cycle? Not that those things are important. 
You know what, Reed? It's really funny because if we're looking and, and taking a recency bias, and I think a lot of general managers and, and, and head scouts will do that, but you look at those same types of players, whether it's a Victor Hedman, the Jamie Alexiak, the Miro Heskin, and some of these bigger guys on the back end that are A, logging huge minutes, B, getting top defensive assignments, C, contributing offensively, and more importantly, uh, are are playing such big roles for their respective teams that I don't think you can kind of turn that off. And, and then that conversation about that size and skill mixture that we just talked about with Byfield is becoming present with a lot of these players. I mean, Seth Jones, this guy, he's, he's unbelievable. He's got it all. Size, skating ability, good hands, eats a bunch of minutes, gets defensive assignments. So that's the type of player that I think teams are really, really uh, coveting. Um, uh, when I look at Jamie Drysdale, I still think about I think about Cam Fowler with a little bit of McCarr thrown in, with a little bit of Quinn Hughes thrown in. I don't think he has quite the hands that Hughes does. I don't think he has that powerful skating stride like Kale McCarr does, but this guy is a smooth, wonderful skater. He's a real calm player. He thinks the game so well and assesses it at such a quick pace that leads you to believe that he will be just as apt defending with his feet as some of these other guys will with their brawn. Well, and, and the other defenseman I want to touch on is Jake Sanderson, uh, Jeff's son. Uh, Jeff was obviously a, a forward Jake on the back end with the, uh, the national development team in the U.S., I love him. I love this guy, and I have him just slightly inches ahead of Jamie Drysdale because I, I really look at the uh, evolution of his game to what was at the start of the year, a defensive stay-at-home guy who was nasty to play against, who was really good in the net front, would crush you in the corner, yet still be able to get back quickly with his feet, retrieve pucks, move them quickly. Uh, and then as the year started to wear on, I think he realized with his U.S. under-18 team that he had to give more offensively and so I think he took it upon himself he's that smart and said you know what guys we're more of a meat and potato team than than last year's rockstar 2001 team I'm going to help out a little bit more on the offensive side and start to maybe join and initiate the rush more than I did in the first half so we saw a second half surge of offensive production that opened a lot of people's eyes and now you're looking again at these big guys that we talked about on the back end the Heskinens the Jones so on and so forth and Sanderson looks a little bit more like those guys than maybe just the old school stay-at-home guy and I think that's why, at least in my books, he's had a, a massive rise in, in the rankings. Sam, the fun part about the draft is there's always a lot of speculation and what-ifs and debates about who's better than this guy, where should this guy go. Uh, it seems, though, when it comes to the top European player coming into the draft, there isn't much debate. Nope. Tim Stutzla is the guy. Uh, played with uh, men in Adler Mannheim, a really good program. Put up 34 points in 41 games last year. Was a was centerpiece of their power play. Uh, the cool story about this guy is that he by no means thinks he's a complete player because he's already had success in a men's pro league. He has the desire and the drive to be better each and every day. And how do I know that? Well, of course, you talk to scouts and you get their read. But uh, one of his teammates is Mark Caddick, who going back to my early days working for Sportsnet was a defenseman with the Sarnia Sting in the Ontario Hockey League. Mark and I uh, grew to know each other quite well. I reconnected with him earlier in the year and I said, OK, give me the goods, man. Everyone's talking about the Stutzla guy. I want to know what he's like from a 
from a teammate's perspective. And he said, oh, buddy, this guy, no one can beat him to the rink. And he is willing to go on the ice by himself. He's willing to go in the weight room. He's willing to do all of these additional things to make himself better. And it shows like you can literally see improvement on a day-by-day basis with this player. So that completes the the, the, the picture for me about what Tim Stutzler is going to be all about when you get that kind of ringing endorsement for, uh, you know, from a player on your own team. All right, and last one for you, and i got to ask you this, because three years ago, well, three and a half now almost, I guess, you called it in 2017 when we did this interview. You said, Reed, if Kyler Yamamoto's there at 22, the Oilers got to grab him. So you nailed it. Uh, if the Oilers hang on to that 14 pick, do you have a name or two that uh, we got to watch? Well, I think the goaltender, Askarov, is, is a guy who's definitely in play there, although I do think teams are going to take a shot and maybe get inside 10 to, to feel that they might get him in that situation. But I think Braden Schneider, right shot D, is in the mix. Seth Jarvis, who plays for the Portland Winterhawks, had the best second half of any draft eligible. Anton Lundell, Dawson Mercer, I think that's the grouping if you're um if you're ken holland of, of the players you'd be looking at but uh, i think the goalie would be a really interesting proposition if he was still sitting there at 14 okay sam you're the best i know it's busy for you so thanks for fitting us in on 6 30 ched man talk to you down the road all right thanks so much reed really appreciate it take care man yeah right on sam cosentino checking in tonight on inside sports he's he's busy today so he got us between a few other interviews i would have had more time i would have asked his opinion on the qmjhl and their uh their new rule for fighting which is if you fight you get a five-minute penalty standard and you get a 10-minute misconduct and we've seen in the Ontario Hockey League, I believe the ohl now is uh once you get your fourth fight you automatically get a suspension and we have seen fighting slowly declining in the NHL. I'm just looking uh, at a page here on hockeyfights.com. Back, you know, 2001 till about 04, there was around 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 fights per game. So roughly every second game. And the last couple of NHL seasons were down around 0. 0.2 fights per game. So we've, we over about 15 to 20 years, we've gone from a fight every second game to about a fight every fifth game. So I, I, I don't know if any league in North America actually needs to outright ban fighting, but it seems like they just increase the penalties for it and, and younger players coming up are... It's not stress to them that they have to fight and, and you know, they have to do these things to, to be able to make their way to the NHL. And I think slowly it might just fade away. Now, I look, I, I we've, this t- comes up from time to time on the show. When there is a hockey fight or fights, like in the Calgary-Edmonton game in February where the goalies fought, that are born of anger, I think it adds to the entertainment value of the game. And I know it's dangerous and, 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 and all those types of things, but I also have to... Th- I also recognize we watch sports for that gladiatorial aspect. We were watching it for escape. And sometimes, yes, we are watching it for violence. Uh, I, I, I don't have trouble admitting that. I mean, I think that's part of the appeal sports has. Um, but, but I also, as a fan, I've never watched a hockey game that hasn't had a fight and thought, well, I wish there would have been a fight. There, there is a bunch of other, there are a bunch of other things that entertain me as well. Uh, 780-496-0063. If you want to chime in either way, I, I don't know if the NHL needs to adopt this. I just think the junior leagues are, are kind of going to do it for the NHL where eventually fighting will be so foreign, um, 
that it'll be virtually out of the game without them having to outright legislate against it, if, if that makes sense. All right. We will uh, keep on that topic a little bit later on. We're going to fit in Buck Martinez on the Blue Jays season when we get back. So the Toronto Blue Jays season ended yesterday, and to reflect on that and for some further discussion, please to welcome back to the show, broadcaster with Sportsnet, former player and manager with the Jays, it is Buck Martinez. Buck, great to have you back on the show. Man, I remember the last time I talked to you was uh, during the 2015 season when the Blue Jays went on that uh, incredible run late in the year, got into the playoffs, and and I said, what comes first, the winning or the confidence? And you said that's the age-old question. Five years later, do you have an answer for me? (laughs) No, I still don't. uh, It has a lot to do with confidence, that's for sure, but it, uh, it takes a while to figure out how to win. I think we saw that this year with this young ball club. Uh, they had a lot of confidence, and uh, now they just have to figure out how to win. Well, we'll see where they go from here. But a pretty fun season to watch, I thought, Buck. Uh, you know, when I was able to tune in or having the game on while I was hosting the show, I just got the sense from this year's Blue Jays team, um, always in it, pretty resilient, always able to fight from behind and find a way to make a game out of it. Did you get that sense? Absolutely. They had 17 come from behind wins this year, and they had a lot of one-run games. Uh, they played played very well. And, you know, they're not a perfect team by any means. They have a lot of things they have to address. And I, th- I think we saw the shortcomings played out in the uh, wild-card series against Tampa Bay. You know, Tampa Bay has frontline pitching. They have great defense. They had three center fielders in the outfield. Uh, they just have a whole bunch of interchangeable parts. When they lost a lot of their pitchers this year, they had guys ready to step in and contribute. And, you know, they won 40 games out of the 60 they played this year. That's a testimony to just how good they are. One thing, Buck, that people have been talking about is the Blue Jays pitching in this series. You've seen this from a lot of different perspectives. You're a broadcaster, you were a manager, you handled pitchers when you were a catcher. In game one, Shoemaker, uh, you know, just three innings, Ray came in, and then Ryu comes on in in game two. Just, just wondering what your perspective on the Blue Jays handling the pitching in this series was. Well, you know what, the ball club, um, they did a lot of research, and uh, according to their data, they felt like that was the best combination to attack Tampa Bay. I, I didn't think it was. I thought that Ryu should have started game one. But um, you know what, they did a lot of homework, and uh, when you really delve into it, you know, the thing that surprised me more than anything was that they took Matt Shoemaker after, uh, out after three innings and about 35 pitches. I think that surprised Matt. Uh, afterwards, he talked about knowing the plan that, that Robbie Ray was going to follow him into the game. But he said later on, he said, I was surprised I came out after three innings. But I guess the bottom line is they didn't score a ton, right? Regardless of what happened with the pitching. And that's right. Tampa Bay's pitching is so good. When you have Blake Snell and Tyler Glass now pitching games one and two, you've got a pretty good chance to win. And I think that's the one thing the Blue Jays have to realize is that when you look back to the last several years uh, of the World Series championships, it's starting pitching. That's what separates the great teams from the World Series championship teams, and it's great starting pitching. 
Okay, I, I can also introduce you tonight, Buck, as, of course, a member of the uh, first Blue Jays team to make the postseason in 1985. Um, but I, but a, kind of a different year for you, because wasn't that the year you broke your leg and you weren't able to go in the, in the postseason? Yes, it was. I broke my leg in July in 1985, and I was out for the rest of the year. But, you know, 1985 was a lot like 2020 because the team was so young and there were so many good players that were just establishing themselves in the major leagues, much like what happened this year with Guerrero and Gurriel and Biggio and Bichette. And so many of the young players got a chance to uh, become big leaguers for the first time. So I think 1985 is very comparable to what happened this year because it was the first time the Blue Jays won, and it's the first time this group of players got into the postseason. It's a pretty awesome time. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Buck, thanks for fitness in. It's always awesome to have you on the show. Uh, I know it's been a, a busy last couple of months for you with all the games and getting through this season. So thanks for checking in on 630 Chet. My pleasure. That is Buck Martinez checking in. You heard him all season long in the Sportsnet broadcast booth for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, not able to get it done against Tampa Bay, but as Buck was telling you, overall a pretty good season. And, and he, like a lot of you, scratching his head a bit at uh, at the Jays' decision uh, about how they handled the pitching in Game 1 of that series. But hey, they, they didn't score enough runs to get past Tampa Bay anyway. 780-496-0063 is, uh, is how you can chime in. I was talking a little bit about the new fighting rule, the new penalty for fighting in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League that'll kick in, uh, well, right, right away for this season. Five minutes for fighting plus a 10-minute misconduct. So really, it's 15 minutes for fighting. Um, they got a couple texts here to 780-496-0063. This texture says, Reed, hockey has fighting. No other sport does. Makes it unique. Makes it more entertaining. Why are they trying to take it out of the game? That is one text to 780-496-0063. Another texture says, uh, Reed, have to agree with you. The NHL doesn't have to do anything about fighting. It's feeders, leagues are doing it for them. Young players are coming into the NHL with no idea even how to fight, so they're afraid to even do it once they get to the NHL. A couple of texts there to uh, 780-496-0063. Yeah, I, I mean, look, now with uh, with head injuries, concussions, and, and lawsuits we've came, seen coming up in hockey and, and the National Football League, I, I think sports leagues to some extent have to protect themselves and let's face it money is is the root of a a lot of it when it comes to things like this um so if they're saying if if the qmjhl is saying okay we recognize there might be a situation in hockey where you want to fight and things about the sport lend itself to that but we're also telling you it's it's really really against the rules so if you're making the decision to do it uh, that's not on us. We're, we're the, 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 I would think the QMJHL and maybe the other Canadian Hockey League leagues will do it, are saying, you know, th- this is this is on you. We're, we're strongly discouraging it. We're telling you how strong of a penalty it is. So if you're making the decision to do it, don't blame us. Uh, blame us. Jason Red Deer says, I'm sure this fighting thing is about liability. Insurance companies told the leagues, get fighting out or no insurance. Yeah, I think... Uh, the, yeah, interesting there for sure, Jason. That I'm sure, like I said, the the money factors into it. Uh, you can keep it coming uh, on this it, it, coming up after the seven o'clock news. Again, you can also call in seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Do you need fighting in hockey to be entertained? And, and look, now we're raising a generation of fans who haven't seen as much fighting as maybe people of my generation and older would have seen. Fifteen minutes for fighting in the Quebec Major Junior League. Also, Bob Stoffer coming up before seven thirty. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.